Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of the Bobo and Flex show. My name is Bobo and I am your host and I'm with the beautiful Flex. Hey, Kitty. I am... <laughs> This is my one week anniversary of living under martial law, ah! uh, living under a fascist regime. <laughs> so, you know, so much has changed since the last time we recorded, like the entire city has been burnt on fire, has been set on fire. Um, Trump went from zero to a hundred. I now live under martial law, like it's madness. How are you doing? <laughs> When you put it like that, <laughs> um, not living under martial law, but our time is coming. <laughs> Literally, fascism is coming to you very soon. Honestly, follow Bobo's story for updates on how um, Bobo is like a, a, a prophet. She's literally coming to us with information from the future, letting us Literally. in on what our imminent future is like. And we are all worldly beings who refuse to see the truth. So listen, there's listen. that. Look, I feel like I struggle to say I'm well because I'm not, but I'm not crying anymore and I don't wake up angry mm. every day. So that's a plus. Gang, gang. Oh, why? Why were you not well? Uh, I wasn't well because it's just like, how do I explain this in 25 words? Okay, let's try. Waking up every day <laughs> to news that more black people are dying because of systemic oppression and injustice and right. a bunch of non-black people are only now just talking about it because they've been made aware mm. of it because it's finally been recorded, which makes me realize that you didn't think it was real because it wasn't recorded and you couldn't see it, right. which makes me wonder when we have all these conversations about race and injustice, what do you think we were talking about? Mm. And then I'm here having conversations in the DM with people being like, oh my goodness, I feel so bad for you. This is so crazy. You must fear for your life. Hmm, sad. And I'm like, um, uh, don't pity me. That's fucking weird. Why do you say yeah. that? Why are you saying that? Stop <laughs> saying that. That's fucking weird. Don't say that. And then people are like, wait, but like, I get that like black people have been through stuff, but I'm actually Asian. And um, if you, if you like, no. if you've seen like when the coronavirus hit, everybody was really xenophobic. And so like, we totally understand where you're getting oh. from, but like, this isn't like a POC thing. This is like a white people thing. I'm like, mm, 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 everybody, oh, everybody my upholds God. anti-blackness, everybody, everybody. And then I glitch and die oh, my God. and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I actually can't believe anyone even has the audacity. Look, it's it. So I feel like for a, a solid week there, I was very hell-bent on just ha having the conversations, trying to provide anybody who um, needed information with information, trying to be open um, and assume that like people were being earnest when they were asking me questions of like it doesn't make sense I don't understand I had no idea it was this bad so and so and then I thought mm. rewind mm. we can't be just raising awareness about racism in, in 2020 we it, I refuse listen I refuse listen, to believe listen. that it is completely possible that people did not know the extent of racism you knew the whole KKK existed that's not a myth no, literally, like, I swear we, us and white people live in different realities. Like, I it has swear. To be. It has to that be. That is the only explanation. It's the only one, fully. It honestly blew my mind. I was like, surely, yeah, we must, we must not. Honestly, it, it's, it's the, it's the crux of the situation, though. We people are looking at the same situation from different perspectives. And it takes, mm. it, it clearly is taking, like, mass um like mass terror for anyone to see the other side it's really frustrating and i'm over it but because of that we were talking about our dreams just off air and i was saying bobo mentioned that she had had sleep paralysis um which oof i only get sleep paralysis when i am on tour 
because I'm sleeping upwards and that somehow triggers it for me. It's just like sleeping, sitting up. Oof. Oh, interesting. But I don't get any visions or anything. I just get the vibrational top to toe. Do you get that? I I get auditory, I don't know if that makes sense, but auditory sleep paralysis. So like last night I'm sleeping and I'm like half awake, half asleep. Like I'm asleep, but I'm also consciously aware mm. that I'm asleep. And then I hear, I was sleeping right next to my boyfriend and I hear him like yelling and I hear him yelling like, Maybe the reason you're so sick all the time is because of all the food you've been eating. Maybe oh. it's all the microbiome. Oh. I'm like, wait, is this nigga yelling in his sleep? So I literally... <laughs> so I'm trying to turn around and like I can't... So now I can't move mm. and it feels like he's yelling in my ear. So eventually I turn around and I'm like, why are you yelling? And he's dead asleep. Like he's no. dead. Like it was no. not him yelling the entire no. time. <laughs> I literally it. almost lost my mind. Like I literally. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it from the bottom of my no. heart and everything that I stand for. I hate it. Is that not the creepiest thing you've ever heard? And then when we were discussing it today, I was like, I had such bad sleep. Like in one night, I had three separate sleep paralyses. Jesus. And he was like, holy shit. So I was explaining to him, I felt like he was yelling, but every time I would turn to him, he was just asleep. So like, I just, it was like, there were voices. And he was like, oh my God, there was a point where I woke up and I was responding to something you said. No. Isn't that the creepiest No, thing? we're not doing so it. D- <laughs> <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> Listen, so yeah, we spent a good hour today trying to decipher what the fuck is going on. We were like, is it because we're stressed? Is it the state of the world? Is it because we're both in martial law? Like, or was there, is there genuinely just like a bad energy? And it's funny because for the past, and I spoke about this on Instagram, I was like, listen, I feel like something bad is about to happen. Like something terrible is about to happen and it feels eerie and it feels mysterious and it feels supernatural. It feels like it's even beyond like human capabilities. Like this isn't even something that Trump could orchestrate. Like I've had this like eerie feeling. And even when I walk around, like I went to the park yesterday with my boyfriend and it literally just felt like an apocalyptic movie. Like I don't know what it is and then when i looked up in the sky you know how birds usually fly in one direction yes i looked up and these birds were just frantically flying around so yesterday was like my first physical i don't know if it's a confirmation but like my first physical confirmation that like something is off because animals also just like feel this shit before us Mm -hmm. they be knowing So I'm like, yeah, the birds are moving mad and it's Central Park specifically. And then I found out yesterday, my boyfriend was telling me that Central Park was actually the first Mm -hmm. thriving black community and white people just came and burnt it down like Mm -hmm. because that's what they do. And I'm like, that's so strange that like every time I walk through Central Park, it feels eerie, like it feels like it like something is brewing. So I don't know. And then that coupled with the sleep paralysis after taking a walk in Central Park and that coupled with this eerie feeling that like something is about to happen soon. And then now you telling me that you've just been having nightmares. Mm -hmm. Something is something's up. No, 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 no. no. Like, okay, tell me about your dreams. Like, tell (laughs) me about your nightmares. Um. Yeah, so I don't get auditory sleep paralysis. Thank the sweet Lord himself. I also (laughs) don't get um, visuals either. I've heard some really terrible stories, people who see terrible things that I don't want to repeat because my mind does not, it won't. mm -mm. Um, But I just get the, I just get bodily shakes. And so what happens is I'll be sitting upright, um, like, and I'll become hyper aware that I'm like in whatever you call that state of like 
consciousness, unconsciousness, whatever. Yeah. And then I'll get a full body rumble that will vibrate from my toes all the way to my ankles, up my calves, to my knees, to my thighs, to my crotch, to my stomach, up, 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 to my fingertips. And it rumbles all the way from the top until it gets to the top of my head. And then I'm just stuck. And then I just have to like keep forcing any limb to move. And then I'll just like push myself forward and then I'm out. If you've been on tour with me, you've probably seen it. <laughs> wow. It's actually, it's so oh strange. Um, but it's just from being, I get it when I'm overtired. But so I always have quite vivid dreams mm, and same. so vivid that they're usually nightmares, which is fine with me. I don't think I've ever had a nothing dream. I talk to friends and acquaintances who just have dreams of when they're putting up laundry can you imagine huh? <laughs> i the know i cannot relate you. to that either <laughs> literally <laughs> i cannot relate uh, look it's just it's bizarre to me and i have a lot of reoccurring themes in my dreams and so when i was younger i used to have this reoccurring dream it, it didn't the circumstance would differ but the theme was that i would see my parents or my not my parents my mum and my brother uh in public and they would be so embarrassed of me just like they would not hold any eye contact with me. They'd pretend they didn't know me. And then minutes, it was almost like a foreshadowing of minutes later, I would get in trouble for something. Turns out I had murdered somebody or I was getting arrested oh for like God. credit card fraud. <laughs> like yeah. Just some weird wow. shit like that. So that was a reoccurring run. And then for a small time there, I used to have um, apocalyptic dreams where I would be at um, Bondi Beach. That was always mm-hmm. the destination. And Bondi Beach wow. um, was maybe like half an hour on a bus to my family home, which is in the Eastern suburbs. And so I would, um, I would always hate going there because once you, and this is a real fact, once you get to Bondi, it's a bottleneck. It's so hard to get in and it's so hard to get out because it's only one way in and one way out. So there's always traffic and it's always peak hour there. So I had a dream. I would have a dream that, you know how they tell you, you can, you know, it's a tsunami is coming because you can see a red line over the horizon. Oh, I didn't know that. Maybe that's just like an Australian thing. So like once (laughs) I had that information, it was a common theme in my dreams where I see a red line over the horizon. I'd go and tell people a tsunami was coming. Nobody would fucking listen because that's just a common theme in my dreams. And then so I would try and run up the hill. But you know, I don't run. You can't run in your dreams. At least I can't. So then I see a tsunami coming. It comes, it crashes. And then um, the world starts sinking or the sea level starts rising, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, and then I would have to keep running upwards and upwards and upwards and every room I would go into would be another trap of some sort. It was fucking fucked. And then (laughs) when that theme ended, my dreams had more variety, but same nightmare as shit, whatever. But recently, um, uh, an acquaintance of mine who is a medium told my wife, Grace, to tell me to just pay more attention to my dreams and write them down if possible. Because usually I just dream them and forget them. But a common theme in my dreams is that obviously it'd be some sort of nightmare standard. And I'll be in a Mm. position where everybody around me, myself included, is in some sort of stress, some sort of trauma. We're being attacked, we're hiding, we're running, whatever it might be. And there'll be a pivotal moment in the dream where everybody turns and thinks it's me. I must have information. I must be gatekeeping. I must be withholding or I must be an integral reason as to why something's going on because I'm not scared enough or I'm not showing enough fear. I'm not crying enough. I'm not um, guilty enough. Something's up because if you were as scared as we were, then you'd be showing as much fear as we are. It's fucking weird. And so everybody forgets who the real enemy is (laughs) and they start turning on me. And you know, when, when people already don't trust you, you can't double, when you double down and try to yeah. prove your, um, your fealty or how truthful you are, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. They get more suspicious. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So those have been the themes and I think it's very, very interesting. And also I've been watching the 100, which is like this, a post-apocalyptic, um, TV series. It's adding a lot of ammunition to my dreams. It's really great. Yeah. But, um, that is she's crazy. And I, every time somebody tries to, um, what do you call dream and analyze dreams, it's always the same dumb shit of like, yeah, they, I know I've given up on that. You feel like, and then <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I know it's always, I've tried that shit too. And I've, I've always left unimpressed. Mm. Like, 
But question, like the way you feel in your dreams, do you feel that same way in real life, like in any way? Like, can you draw parallels from your emotions in your dreams to your emotions in real life? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> But I feel like sometimes... Uh, if I draw parallels, it seems a bit too obvious, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, when, mm. you, when you push too hard to make it make sense, it will make sense. But is that the sense that actually is the truth? Who knows? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> I remember recently I was getting really frustrated of people um, asking me, quote unquote, what I thought about, like, police brutality. <laughs> and I, it made me think that when people overhear you and I talking – about anything, about our feelings, about our experiences, about our thoughts. They presume it's the same energy we would have with anybody about these conversations because when you listen to a podcast, it feels like the person who's speaking is speaking to you. So I feel like when we're speaking so candidly about, you know, let's say we're talking about race or internalized racism or misogynoir or systematic oppression, everyone's like, okay, let me just ask her some questions because clearly she must be open to discussion. And so when I say I'm open to having discussion, they presume it's this discussion, this candor, this looseness, (laughs) this Mm, kind of, but it's like, no, we're operating on the same level of understanding. Or if if it's not the same, it's, built on the same foundation of like knowing each other and being black and having context for each other's experience. Right. <clears throat> so I, I, when people are coming in my dance being like, what do you think, babe? Love heart. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I get that so much as well. I'm literally dead. What do I, think? I have left the building. Um, or kind of like, uh, one or people who kind of wanted a hot take. I was like, I don't, I don't know you. <laughs> I don't really, I don't really know you at all. So I don't get paid enough for yeah, this. I don't really want to have a hot take about like, yeah. people dying. Sorry. <laughs> do you think it's a conspiracy? No, I don't want to talk to you about that. No, I really don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> so I do I think, think it's a game. I think it's a game <laughs> for a lot of white people. Like, I think for them, it's just like, ooh, this is interesting. Whereas like for us, it's like actual trauma. Yeah. And, Do you know what I mean? And, and I think on the other hand, it was like I was getting a lot of messages from um, uh, POC who I guess to a lot of people, when you're uh, like the only the only ethnic person or very few in a room, you're the closest thing to blackness for a lot of people. So I think people default to those people for understandings on these greater conversations, you know? Interesting, so yeah. So I think that when I was getting a lot of messages from POC being like, babe what are your thoughts like let's unpack i'm like oh no i'm not doing it with you either (laughs) imagine uh and then and then brought on the conversations of well like you're not talking about it so like it's fine like why would you get triggered if we brought it up because you're not talking about it and therefore like you don't need anything that sad about it and if you really cared about it you would do this and if you really cared about it i saw that message and And i'm like okay there's a theme here of, I'm getting a lot of these DMs, so let's not get it twisted. Um, and it's also a common theme of these messages, right? Um, and it's, how do I explain it? Like I've said it before, I don't regard all of the all ignorance as um, malicious because I totally get it's not. But yeah, yeah, fully. As there was a time when people would mask these kind of um, sort of like mask these concerns is like I'm just um it wasn't my intention to be xyz I was just wondering and then you have to have the intention versus impact you know conversation yeah, yeah. but the new one is I'm just curious I'm just curious as to and it's like mm, this curiosity is you know creeping onto like spectator sport and spectator sport is a oh novelty my god and it's also yeah. fun <laughs> and it's also built in an environment that you know that encourages your kind of reaction i don't think we can do i'm just curious as to what you think about that guy getting choked out on tv and then like everybody protesting afterwards i'm like because coronavirus is happening like do you think that was the best course of action i just want to unpack with a fellow poc oh my god no oh my god we're not doing no i'm not we're not doing unfortunately i've clocked off from all from all of these <laughs> conversations. Thank you. These fun, fun, small, small yeah. conversations. Like, what? 
I'm sorry, I cannot. It's just, it's not it. But yeah, curiosity is an interesting one to me because it's just like, even the lens of how you need to look at something to be curious is it like almost like an emotional detachment of some sort yeah there's a dehumanizing yeah. aspect of being curious about someone outside of your race yeah because it's it, it feels like curiosity stems from like not a lack of understanding because that's intrigue but an otherness an otherness like yeah. i'm at a zoo and i'm so curious about what this hippo is going to do i'm so curious about yeah. what this stingray is going to do i just don't think that we can look at like racism with a lens of curiosity <laughs> it just doesn't talk about it like talk about if your it. head is cocking to the right as you view racism and you're like huh i don't get it it's because you're I'm too curious. far removed from your own whiteness <laughs> yeah no it's so interesting that you bring oh. up this idea of white people viewing racism as a spectator no white people viewing black suffering as a spectator sport because So the first day when the curfew was imposed on us, Mm. so I was outside, I was taking a walk, and I suddenly get this text that's like, bitch, in two hours, everyone has to be in the house, and, and, and. So now I'm scrambling because I'm quite far from home. And I notice the closer I get to my house, the, the more cops there are. Like, there's just more and more cops just everywhere and at some point I walked past this apartment building like there was just a whole street and right outside because you know New York is just apartments like you're just building after building after building on one block and it's just like four apartments in one block yeah Mm -hmm. so outside of all of these apartments was just a line of like white people so I was like, why is everyone... Sa-? Like, I stopped to ask one of them, like, why is everyone standing outside? Is something happening? Like, what's going on? And then the guy's like, oh, we're just watching that guy over there. And I have really bad eyesight and I never wear glasses. So <laughs> I just I, ref- I just feel like I've seen enough. Like, I don't need to wear glasses. <laughs> so I'm looking around like what, like, what are you looking at? What is over there? And he's like, oh, we're looking at that black guy over there get locked up. So I'm like, all of you white people have come outside your house to watch a black... And there's it's one black guy and he's pressed against a police car being handcuffed by like five white policemen. Mm. Two of them are holding batons. Like, it's just such a spectacle for them. I was like, first of all, this is so dehumanizing. Like, you're watching... This is synonymous with the way that white people used to watch black people get lynched as just a sport like that. It was just for funsies. And I realized in that moment, like that energy never went away because that energy only transmuted itself to white people watching black people getting murdered on the Internet. And now that it's martial law and there's cops everywhere and literally if you're black and the cops see you, they just... Police to the side, we're locking you. Like, the NYPD is worse than however the internet portrays them to be. Like, they are disgusting. So, no white people know that they are absolutely unaffected by police presence. And so they use this opportunity to stand outside and watch black people get oppressed by the police as if it's a sport. And that, like, like what you're saying about, like, the lens through which white people engage racism with curiosity, it comes from the fascination or the entertainment that white people derive from watching black people get lynched. It's the same energy. It's the same shit. Isn't that interesting? It is very interesting. Sorry for clearing my throat, everyone. I hate that sound also. (laughs) (laughs) I'll edit it out. (laughs) Thank you. Um... Yeah, it is It is very interesting and it makes me reflect on a lot of conversations that we've had about race because I know there are a ton of people, white people, people of colour, black people who've benefited from like uh, being able to p- play witness or spectator to the conversations we have so openly mm. um, and how we might have maybe views that counter the norm or whatever that might be. Um, yeah. But I think that 
the amount of energy it takes to just like we're not it's not fucking poetry like we're not bearing our hearts and souls and it's like really painful but the yeah. amount of energy it takes to have these conversations in a very um open and accessible way because we could easily talk about our experience and put up walls and not take time to clarify or you right. know elaborate uh, or any of those things but we do and I'm still getting messages from people who are quite avid listeners to these shows who just like don't get it. And so I feel like, wow. What don't they get? I thought, what is there not to I really get? thought the way we were approaching it with a, like a, it's like a no shame, just come here, listen. Like you might be like a little bit racist, pull up, like let us, let us explain to you a way to view racism that isn't like so mainstream and norm. And yet still I'm having conversations. Look, this is an example. So, um, Naturally, everybody is like rushing to pledge their allegiance to black people. <clears throat> oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's a Cute. joke. It's like, whatever. <laughs> Thank you, I guess. <laughs> um, and I have called it a trend. And it is. It is. Um, I've called it a trend and people were offended by me doing so because... Really? Um yeah, because they were just like, you know, it seems like, you know, there's nothing people can do right uh, for black people when talking about race. Oh, I saw now, that. Yeah. I don't know if you people have the same Google that I have, but when <laughs> I look up the definition of trend, it means that it's a general direction in which something is developing or changing. So. Yeah. That's just like one there's thing. no. Yeah. I don't like I'm sure that we have the same Google. So I think it's very interesting that the defensiveness that jumps out when certain words are used. I'm like, trend is what I said and it's what I meant, but I digress. <laughs> um, so yes, I've been seeing a lot of posts, um, social posts, a lot of like Black Lives Matter artwork, a lot of people taking, you know, very common infographics and just changing the colors. So it suits their, um, their Instagram theme. This is all fine with me. I don't really care. Um, But I think it's interesting how performative activism works. I've said it before and I'll say it with my chest. I think performative activism works when it comes to raising awareness. However, if we are still raising awareness about racism in 2020, then we need to be having a separate conversation. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're not raising if, awareness. If, now it's virtue signaling. Yeah. Like, like, let's, yeah. If it was, like, I don't know, like 1950. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, oh shit, like, perhaps we black people shouldn't be in, sl- I don't know, like, it's just something's not hitting right. Yeah. Yeah. Then we'll be raising awareness about, hey, babes, like, maybe you black women don't need to be raising your white slave masters kids um in favor of your like like that's not okay but we're still working through that we've been raising awareness so at this point performative activism in regards to racism is virtue signaling we must call it It what it is yeah i appreciate the pledges though just know it's not hitting me on a level that like really benefits uh me on a day-to-day but it's not about me because I can operate from a place of privilege as a black person. But I guarantee you, for the people who, like, walk out the street and have to, like, think about whether or not they put their hands in their pockets or wear a hoodie or befriend uh, white people, they have to think about their lives on a day-to-day basis in a really, like, <laughs> quite tangible way. I guarantee you, your cute post um, right a, yeah. with a white hand clasping a black hand isn't really helping Can you imagine <laughs> but it's okay i digress i want to talk about a conversation i had um because when i um started seeing all these posts and stuff you know we saw like the black tile come through where i spoke about how if most people took more than three seconds to think about it critically as opposed to running to show their allegiance they would know (laughs) that it wasn't the most helpful thing um literally but bobo mentioned a couple episodes ago this really great thing or maybe it wasn't even was it in an episode or on instagram anyway Follow Bobo's Instagram because I do most of my learning there these days. <laughs> but Bobo made <laughs> a really good point about how we as people are so happy um, l- looking or searching for symbols of progress and conflating that with actual progress. 
So Fact. when you see somebody, uh, like a non-black person posting Black Lives Matter, you suddenly think, thank goodness we're taking a turn. People are finally and seeing. And it's like, no. <laughs> no, that's a symbol. That could be a depiction of what progress could look like in an alternate, in an alternate universe when people yeah. aren't just killed for being black. But in this one. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In this one. In this one it's, right here. It's not really it. And I've been trying to... Um, kind of like challenge my skepticism a little bit and be a little bit more open towards what things could look like if people were quite open with their anti-blackness and were quite open with their racism and were more open with how they uphold white supremacy because if I can come on my chest and be like yeah I've definitely been anti-black then I expect the same from non-black people like it should not be as difficult Mm, as you're making it out to be and so when I saw the first day, I was like, okay, like, is this progress? Is this progress? Second day, I'm like, okay, I'm seeing more posts. Is this progress? By the by a week, I was like, hold up, hold up. It's not clicking. Because I'm like, I can guarantee there has to be people in here who are, you know, doing all the right, quote unquote, the right things virtually. But I know you're not having the conversations where it matters. I know your parents aren't on That's Twitter. That's the thing. Seeing the counter conversations the about protests. Yeah. I know your racist friends are on Twitter going like following activists and looking at what's happening on ground and seeing that when police are kneeling with protesters in the next fucking frame, they're macing them. I know it's not happening. So... There's an acquaintance of mine who who I know um, from just like being around the block. Uh, and by the block, I just mean before I know from being in the creative industry in Australia. And she is uh, Australian, um, like white as in like, like a Caucasian ethnic person. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. No, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. like white. Um, and is dating a black guy, right? And I remember there was a situation that came about where this black guy had said to me that his white girlfriend uses the N-word. And here we go. Here we go. And he like didn't know how to like, how, I guess didn't know how to like explain it in a way to her that would make sense because he's in America and his only point of reference is kind of telling her that like, you know, if we were in America, you could get beaten up or abused or whatever. Like it just wouldn't fly. But because we're in Australia and that really isn't like the response to that kind of behavior here, it just wasn't really clicking. Um, And I remember he started having this conversation with me because when I was at this festival, I don't know if I said it was a festival, but when I was at this festival, I went into the festival grounds to watch Kendrick Lamar with my black friend. This is contextual, right? Like it it matters that we're talking about race. And then Mm. in this crowd, he's saying N-word, 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 and all the white people are saying N-word, 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 and they're having the best time. And I was like, it can't happen. It can't. So... I obviously know that I can't police people's behavior, but I can definitely police my own. So I just turned around to the closest group of whites and I said, hey, like you can do whatever you want because like I can't tell you how to live, but just know that every time you say that word, I'm gonna turn around and I'm just gonna make you feel hyper uncomfortable because you're making me feel uncomfortable. And the response was, well, I wasn't saying it. I was singing it. (laughs) I'm screaming. So no, I've left the building. So basically the friend I was with was like, oh my God, that's like, that's fucking crazy. I can't believe you call them out because whatever. I was like, I I don't care. Like I've got to do this shit. Anyway. So then when we get back to the backstage area, I was telling another friend about that. And then this guy overheard that conversation. He was like, oh my goodness. Like people say that word here. And then you said that to the blah, blah, blah. He just was a bit in awe that I would confront somebody in this context. So anyway, he's telling me about his girlfriend. She says the N word. I didn't know how to like level with her, you know, whatever. And I was like, call her over. Right obviously knowing who the girl is and being like, whatever, now it's my business. Your, your boyfriend made it my business. So I'm gonna talk about it. 
So when I was talking to her, she was kind of like, look, like, I don't really get why it's not a big deal. We're not in America. I would never say the word with malice. Like, I'm only ever singing it in music. I would never say it. Like, obviously, I know it's a word you can't say, but like in music, it's a different story. And like, I had... (laughs) like let me just continue I need to stop digressing yeah I would never say it and obviously like I know that like it makes him feel uncomfortable but the point of the matter is if an artist is saying it and they know their music is going to reach people who aren't black then they should be well aware that we're also going to say the word so there are layers that we have to like unpack here and like the first one is like as you know, art isn't made for consumption. It's made for the person who makes the art and then we just happen to consume the art. That's just number one. We all know what artist intentions are. I don't think black artists are like, hey, I'm well aware that like 8 billion of these white people are going to listen in. So when I say the N word, you get no. So number one. And then number two, I was like, isn't it so interesting? Because I feel like a lot of people think that interracial relationships are like, is like the abolishment of racism. Like, yeah, that if like, they do. people of different, like, racial backgrounds and ethnicities can fuck, then they must be able to see, um, they must and have, like, like <laughs> access to, imagine, <laughs> to a different world. So I was, I was saying to her, I'm like, I think it's really interesting that somebody you love is saying that a word you say it could be any fucking word, but this word in particular makes them feel uncomfortable. It makes them feel like guilty that they can't express their hurt to you in a way that you understand. And you are doubling down on how you don't get it and how you should be able to say it. And it's going to be done. I thought, wow, like this is very interesting. And how in this moment I expected this black guy to kind of like back himself. And where was his head looking down on the ground? What for? (laughs) So fast forward to now. And I see this girl posting Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, you know, doing home home renditions of art and stuff. I'm like, it's cute, you know, because people grow and they, their understanding of situations evolve. Like we can't say that that doesn't happen. It's totally possible. I don't want to keep anybody in a state of, um, in a state of like ignorance because I had a situation, I had a, a conversation with them that was rooted in ignorance because that was years ago, right? So I can assume that since then you've done some learning, but who am I not to check in? Mm. Yeah. Little yeah. Knock, 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 knock. Hey, do you still use that word? <laughs> <laughs> because look, it got to a point where I was like, let me just, I need, I can't, you know, when you start to like, um, when you start to grow a little bit of skepticism and it's not even, it's suspicion. When you have suspicion for something or someone, it just grows if you don't manage it. And I don't want to be holding that energy. So I messaged her and I was like, tell me you don't still say the N-word. And I saw her type, I never said it, and then deleted it. I said, oh, is that what we're doing? We're writing and deleting? Anyway. Wow. So basically, um, her justification was that, um, you know, that she never said it. She only ever sung it. Can you imagine? I didn't know this is how people thought. I don't know. Like, are there loopholes? I didn't know there were loopholes. But anyway. Who told them there are loopholes? Like, <laughs> she never said it. Only ever sung you. it. And like now since dating um, him and like being exposed to like this podcast and the group, she's like definitely seen that it's offensive. And now she doesn't say it anymore. Um, but she still believes that she should be able to. But she doesn't because it makes her partner uncomfortable. And makes other people uncomfortable. And then she had kind of referenced and said, but that's growth, right? That's growth. And I said, I I promise you making the distinction between singing a word or saying a word doesn't affect how harmful that word is or isn't. I promise you. If I start yelling derogatory terms in a sing-song rhythm, (laughs) I promise you it's going to hurt the same way. (laughs) (laughs) And number two, it's not growth. Like it, it, it's not growth. It's it's an acknowledgement, sure, but it's not growth. We can't be patting ourselves on the back for keeping our sort of like uh, racist undertone behavior like in our heads and not like this. Not literally. Like, do you need an award? Like, what do you? It's like it's kind of like saying, well, like of course I don't have the Confederate flag on my car. 
but I definitely think that white people are superior. <laughs> That's what that shit sounds like. <laughs> anyway, it's a false equivalency. But wow. Basically, it's a conversation and it's one of those things where like, I already know that most, if most people, if not all people are working on combating their racism, whether you like to think it or you're not, you're either racist or prejudiced. Hold it, mm-hmm. hold it, caress it. Yeah. Do what you want you to are. with it. Um, so I'm, I'm not going into these discussions being like, now say you're racist, <laughs> say it, <laughs> just say it. No, I'm seeing if you are self-aware enough to know it. So when somebody says it to you, it's not new information. I hate this new information shit. I hate that all of you are like doing a fucking Instagram statements going, over the last couple of days, I've just realized I that. hate it. I hate it. I hate, cannot stand it. Like, what did you just, you're just realizing things? Why is everyone Kylie Jenner? I'm just like realizing things. Like, what are you realizing I've that you didn't realize before? That, huh? So, you know, it, it's like, I don't want any of this, like, I just had an epiphany. No. But it was interesting in that conversation and in most conversations I'm having when I take the time out to be like, no, bitch, that people are kind of like, you know, if you want to like, if you want to like get mad at me, I understand if you want, you see, do you see what I mean? That's like baiting or almost like allowing me to, what is that? If you want to get mad at me, I totally understand. Like if you feel as though like. You know, like you—they're weaponizing their tears. That's what's now. happening there. Like I'll totally you're weaponizing take it. your white fragility. <laughs> Don't try it. Don't try it. I'll totally take it if you want to get mad at me. Like I totally get it. And then like I'm like, no, I'm not gonna do that. Like I don't have energy. And then it's always the same. Like you're so strong. I don't know how you could do this. Like you're so strong. Oh my like, god. Having these conversations. Like you're so strong. I'm so proud of you. Like it must be really hard for you right now. You're so strong. So I say all of that to say wow. that. The donation links are cute and necessary. The articles are cute and necessary. Watch the way you share protesters' faces on TV because you know cops are going to their houses and killing them. That's a fact. Literally, yeah, um, they are. They actually are. But I promise you that if you feel like posting a little picture absolves you of your racism, racism, it yeah. doesn't. I promise you I see through you. I promise. Like, in the nicest way possible. I promise I see see you trying. All of us. I promise I acknowledge effort, where effort is due. But I can guarantee that if I were to individually know the people posting, I'd be able to call out how their actions don't match up with their mindset. And this is why everyone's like, actions are louder than, what actions speak louder? And it's like, do they? Do they? (laughs) Because when everybody's doing the same repetitive, repetitive, and then, and and do you know what the other thing is? I've been talking a lot, Mm. but every now and then I'll see a post in our Facebook group of somebody saying, um, hey everyone, I've just had this conversation in my DMs. Like I posted that Black Lives Matter. I see it every five minutes. This guy was like, you know, black people are jungle animals and they deserve (laughs) to die. And like, what do you think I should say back? Like, like, should I what delete do you think him? I say back? Oh my god! And oh I'm like, so you god. mean to tell me that you're out here pointing at other women, white women for wearing braids, you know, trying to cancel this influencer for Can wearing? Can we talk a about this right now? But then somebody's in your DM this. saying that these these black people deserve to die because they're jungle animals, and you're out here being like, what should I say? Can you and imagine? And they want me to also believe that you're like doing the right thing and being an ally. When this Literally. basic conversation about proving whether or not black people are humane or not, and you're in the group for advice. <laughs> what the... I want to actually talk about why do white women have so much energy for cultural appropriation so that when it's time to talk about black genocide, it's a debate. Now we're debating. What do you mean? Like, what do you mean? What do you... No, answer me immediately. (laughs) I need an answer immediately. I honestly, I could, I don't know. At this moment, I feel crazy because I don't know if I could like, should laugh or cry or. (laughs) Literally both. Um, I'm struggling. (laughs) Um, (sighs) 
I think what what all of this is, it's really so. First, I think that activism is now an aesthetic. It's the new black, and I think in the quest to perform activism, in the quest to take on the aesthetics of being an ally. What white people have done is gentrify the black liberation movement. So instead of helping, all you've done is gentrify. And I think there's a really thin line between allyship and gentrification. And I think that's something that a lot of white people don't understand. Even the most well-intentioned white people just end up gentrifying black liberation movements in their quest to be a better person, to be a better white person. And it goes back to what you were saying about, like, with the black tiles. And actually, I want to talk about this briefly because people ask us this question all the time. Or people will send me a question at least once a week to be like, wow, I love the way you and Flex think. Can you guys do an episode on, like, how to critically think? And I really just think, like, critical thinking... (laughs) is seeing something and taking three seconds Mm. to think about that thing before you just blindly agree. Like in the context of this, these black tiles and this digital allyship, if everyone who posted the black tile just took three seconds, like critical thinking also, it just takes three seconds, just took three seconds to think, in what ways will this be effective? They would have realized that it's a complete sham. Like, we literally organized to do nothing. And also, critical thinking um, is aligned very well with self-awareness. Yeah. And so a lot of people yeah. assume that self-awareness is just knowing what you're doing. Like, I'm holding my phone. I'm looking at things. But it's the ability to see what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what's influenced your behavior or your line yeah. of thinking. Those three things are not happening. Similarly, critical thinking is the ability to look at all sides for as many sides as possible of a perspective. So usually people are quite literal i see a black tile it says black lives matter therefore it must be in solidarity with black lives let me repost but then did we think okay what is this for why has it been posted how does this show solidarity where did this black tile come from none of that (laughs) no okay and no one i think that uh people try and justify their lack of critical thinking by saying you're really you two are really smart you you two are smart therefore it should be an easier process Mm-mm. no i'm a no. reformed dumb bitch like i was so yeah, close to literally. passing high school the way my atar was like 50 fucking 5 56 bitch i was like i could have been out here repeating the last year so it's not about like you two aren't like smart it's not being intelligent it's not about that at all having the ability to critically think isn't inherent like it's a skill it's an exercise (laughs) literally it's a muscle like literally the more i think yes the more i think the more i can the more i think think, and then i literally if (laughs) that is critical critically think it's probably because you just don't think literally literally right on reflex you're you're like i swear like we all know that our brain like I've spoken about the homeostatic impulse before and it's the part of your brain that acknowledges patterns and puts them on repeat so you don't have to do them actively. It's the reason why you don't have to mm. think to breathe, to blink, to whatever, to go to the bathroom. It's all repeat. So if you're, since the day you were born to the day to now, you do the same shit, you go to the same places, speak to the same people, use the same vocabulary. Like that's not proactive anything. Baby, you're a drone. Fam. <laughs> <laughs> don't say you're a drone (laughs) but really though like people are so accustomed and that's the first thing that capitalism does is strip you of your imagination and if you don't reclaim your imagination you will never think like you will be a drone period and so all it takes is wake up every morning and just think like just allow yourself to spiral and the perimeters of your thoughts expand with each spiral. Like just the more you think, the more you think. Like that's actually <laughs> what critical thinking is. Absolutely. Also, it's also 
No, actually, yeah. Keep no, going. Go no, you got, no, no, you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. No, I was going on the subject of allyship. I really think a lot of it isn't even malicious. But I think the reason there's so much performative allyship and there's so much performative, there's so much virtue signaling is because now being anti-black has become a moral responsibility. So instead of it, instead of someone just being anti-black, you feel morally responsible to be anti-black. And that's the, that's the problem right there. Moral responsibility is a contradiction. Because once a moral act becomes an obligation, it's no longer a moral act because it's now a performance. Mm. And the purpose of performance is to entertain, whereas the purpose of morality is to improve. So if you are performing activism, then actually your activism is nothing more than a playground for white voyeurism and mass entertainment of black genocide. Like, that's all it is. And like, the way I see it, I would have so much more respect for a white person who said, listen, I actually don't care. I simply do not care about black lives. And I've said it with my chest. So I'm not going to post anything because I don't care about you niggas. I don't care about you coons. I'm with Winston Churchill. Like, here I am. Because now what happens is people are trying to force Kylie Jenner and Kendall Jenner and Diddy. You're trying to force all of these people to talk about black lives when they have no range. And when you're forcing people into a space they don't have the range to occupy, what happens is they occupy space uselessly that could be occupied by space that is actually useful. Like performative activism only takes up space that could be used in useful ways. So like, what is the point of performing something that you genuinely, if you don't care about black lives, fam, it is what it is. If it's 2020 and you don't care, we cannot force you to care. Like you just, there is no such thing as a moral obligation because a moral obligation is a moral performance. So rather just say with your chest, I've maxed out, I don't give a fuck, and this is what it is. I'd have so much more respect than to be seeing all these people who don't care post black tiles and like take up the Black Lives Matter hashtag. You're wasting space. Just tap out mind your business and continue to sell your pro diarrhea laxatives like just sell your waist trainers and laxatives and keep it pushing we will talk to you about race when we're inside your house looting you for now just mind your business like mind your business (laughs) meanwhile (laughs) i'm on i'm on the same line of thinking but a slightly different outcome I keep Mm. seeing the whole, but what should we do? But what should we do? What can we do? And let me tell you, Mm. I've seen a lot of, um, (laughs) a lot of this energy of like, I'm trying, but you are all being mean to us. I'm trying, but be patient with us. Like we're all trying. (laughs) That's cool. Um, Why are you suddenly a (laughs) three-year-old? But also you have to wonder if your allyship is so um, like conflated with approval from black people, then you're also doing it wrong. But yeah, then it's a performance. Like, are you interested in progress or performance? But also like, what can we do if you're actively anti-racist, then you're doing it. So the what can we do feels like you're airing yourself. Because I, I don't wake up and go, what can I do more for my LGBT community? I've been doing it. Like That's so true. I'm yeah. out here, I'm amplifying, I'm educating, I'm learning from, I'm not centering myself. I'm like, hey, everyone, as a black heterosexual woman, <laughs> what can I do for my queer community? No, I just mind my business and go do my Googles and read yeah, and learn. literally. But whatever. I digress. The thing about black people telling you how to be less racist is because black people tell you how to be less racist and then somehow it's too much work. 
Black people <laughs> said, don't say the N-word. And how many years later, we're still having this conversation. I remember watching um, the Beyonce Coachella documentary on Netflix, Homecoming. And she's in this meeting with her team. And obviously it's like a follow-up meeting from a, a conversation that was had, you know, maybe a week ago, a few days. And she's like, talk me through what's been done. Like I've given you tasks from last week. Are they done? And everyone's giving her excuses as to like why what she's asked for hasn't been executed yet. No, we didn't get the costumes. No, we haven't. And at the end of the meeting, they ask her, so like what else should we add to the agenda? And she says, I'm paraphrasing, why would I ask you to do anything else when you haven't done what I've already asked The bare minimum. Yeah. This is why it feels so counterintuitive for me to start having people like break down systematic oppression and start like fucking crippling institutions from the inside out when you can't even figure out how to tell your racist friend that black (laughs) people are humans. You haven't even figured out the correct way to educate someone on why they can't say the N-word. You haven't even found the correct way. That is hilarious. Like, do you see why I don't have the energy? Yeah. You might come through earnestly. I just, I want to learn and I want to, I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) Because... Sounds like you want to perform. I want to believe you. And then I see another post in the Facebook group going like, hey guys, my boyfriend said that black people deserve to die and that, you know, (laughs) like they have what's coming to them. And that if if he sees another black person walking down the street, he's going to call the cops because he knows the cops are going to kill them. But like, he's never said anything racist before. So I don't really know if this is like a bad thing, but like, what do you think I should do? Is he racist i am on the floor did you get any dms like that because i got quite a few (laughs) they know not to come for me because i will air you (laughs) i will out you somebody said have you not been following flex she'll air a dm out for less literally (laughs) don't ask her dumb shit she will air you so no i personally haven't gotten any of the like what do you think i should do about this but I've gotten the whole like, hey, as a white person, I stand with you and want to know what you think I should do. And I'm like, no, not doing it. Not doing it. Not doing it. Not doing it. I can't read it. I can't do it. Um, Because also now you're doing the labor. Exactly. uh, Whose job is it to dismantle it? Why are you coming back (laughs) to me? Just post and go. You know, and then it's like the apology for like, hey, Flex, like, um, I am one of the people, the people who posted the black tile. I just want to come in and say sorry. It's not, baby, you don't have to come to me with a personal yeah. apology. It's okay. <laughs> it's just, wow. It's been a, it's been a lovely week. It's been very illuminating and. No, it has. My, it has. My personal favorite, um, because I've had to find the joy like when I tell you I don't cry bitch like it really takes so much for me to cry because not only do I not know how to process my emotions um but I also associate crying with weakness so I'm working through that on my own however I've done so much like um healing crying just getting it out the system because you guys are fucking crazy you're trying to kill me So I've had Why to, are you guys trying to kill Flex? Why like, me? Now I'm going to fight you. I've been defending you all so hard. <laughs> I've been saying, give him a chance. Tell your story. And now look at them. <laughs> now you make me look crazy. But so yeah, I've had to find, I've had to try extra hard to double down and find the joy um, in, in what's happening. And my favorite thing is watching people in positions of power um, influencers, resign. entertainers, not only resign, but just like get aired out by oh, their followers uh, for jumping on a bandwagon. But everyone's like, like, but didn't you listen. just say that like you hate when people post? <laughs> didn't you just say that you hate when people post about like Black Lives Matter because it clogs up the feed? But now you're saying Black Lives Matter. Didn't yeah. you just say that? <laughs> and they're gonna it come out and do their clears up my skin. <laughs> let's let's um finish this episode but start the next one and talk about um 
people resigning because that one oh yes people that resigning is... and ig statements on um solidarity to, to the black community love, I love it that let's do that <laughs> let's do that okay so join us next week we're gonna be talking about the intersection of celebrity power and black lives matter like where do all those things intersect and the performativity of it all. So thank you for tuning in. Find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. We are on every single platform as Bobo and Flex. And we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. Farewell. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.